0: so you recently got married can i say first that your wedding was so (laughs) perfect (laughs) Thank it looks you. like, while I was looking through the pictures, I was like, this looks like a wedding that I would like pin to a Pinterest board to be like, I want this like rustic but chic look. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, it was, I got married in July and it was honestly like just a super, super great time. And I'm, I'm not a bridezilla whatsoever. Like I just kind of knew some colors that I liked and then I had my mother-in-law and her friend kind of helped me, like, piece things together, so it was just kind of unfolded in this way that was really pretty and beautiful, and then just having all the friends and family together was, like, really fun. We, like, made it a wedding week, so we had, like, friends come out early to Coeur lane and we, like, went boating and just kind of celebrated,
0: yeah. you know, the whole
1: week instead of it just being a weekend, so... That was really, that was really cool. I recommend I, everyone having, like, a wedding week like that. <laughs>
0: yeah, a yeah. wedding week sounds amazing. Yeah. I want to redo my wedding. I on, uh, I, I'm on I obviously happy that I got married. <laughs> but, like, my husband flew in, like, the night before the wedding. We had the day after the wedding together, and then he left. I didn't get a whole week, and so now I feel like I need to tell him. Wedding week. I need week. a whole week. <laughs> Let's redo this. Let's redo it.
1: Wedding week. Like, just redo the vows. Like, there you go, you know?
0: <laughs> why did you well I know why you picked Coeur d'Alene but like was it because you were able to like fly people out and have like the whole boating thing like why Coeur d'Alene?
1: yeah it actually unfolded again organically um, basically we got married at a family friend's like property and she that's her house and she actually hosts maybe like three to five weddings a summer just for fun like she loves doing it and um, it just seemed like a really good fit you know because I was looking at venue In Washington, and I didn't want to get married in the Midwest. And um, venues can get really, really expensive. And just things in in Coeur d'Alene are more cost effective, I would say. And plus, the location was really, really pretty. I mean, people come in for boating or hiking. And so it was just kind of like, oh, family friends place so let's let's check it out and then we did it so oh. <laughs> yeah Cordelaine
0: is so beautiful oh it's
1: so beautiful i know it's I really love beautiful it so
0: much and thank you <laughs> for coming back on yeah intro now that we're like three four five minutes in <laughs> yeah I'm re- another repeat guest i think you're <laughs> only like I think you might be the first repeat guest, if not maybe the second.
1: Oh my gosh, I feel honored. Like, I was so happy to come back on. I was like, I love Paige. I love your podcast. So I'm just really happy to be here. Oh, that's
0: <laughs> so cute. I was like, you know what? I haven't talked to you in a while? Erica. Hey, girl. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. I love how the texting motion is just the thumbs. Just the thumbs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> what are you up to? posting on Instagram. <laughs> did you when you wanted to go so you went traveling a lot after you got married were yeah you like we're having honeymoons or was it like are we just are we're gonna go travel after we. Get married? yeah
1: so we you know thailand we went to thailand that was for our honeymoon and then we had a couple really good friends that travel internationally every year and um we basically went with them to bali so we went to thailand in like July through August and Bali in September. And then I had another trip planned that was actually planned pre COVID. Um, So it was one that I'd booked like three years ago, but it was my t- big ass trek that I did in Peru. So then I did that in October. So I've been, I've been bouncing from country to country like the past I don't know since July it seems like yeah I
0: feel like you've been gone constantly like I'll be like oh she's in Thailand that's so cool nice honeymoon and then (laughs) next thing I know it's like a like a balcony view and you're like love Bali I'm like (laughs) how is she doing this it's like like, where did she go yeah yeah. what do you think are like your favorite I don't I've never traveled internationally Mm. I'm trying to make it a goal for next year awesome so what are your favorite parts of traveling mm
1: <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, well, one, I love the adventure that comes with travel because you're just entering like a totally new country. So then your, you know, experience with other cultures and people can really shift your perspective. And to me, that brings like a sense of adventure and wonder back into your life, you know, because I think we can get stuck in our routines and day to day. And so I think it's helpful to go to a different country to kind of see how other people live. So I don't know. I love that aspect of it. I love how travel has helped me like feel more confident about myself because I've traveled solo and like worked up to that, and yeah. so then I was able to like navigate that terrain, and so it actually made me feel more, like more confident. And then I also love how you can meet so many cool people while traveling. That's Ooh, a great that sounds part. like
0: Something I'd like. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Oh man, I love meeting new people, and you you just never know who's like going to come into your life. And that's actually how I ended up meeting my husband was through his best friend that I met in Ireland when I traveled solo. So that was like a whole thing. So I've met a ton of like amazing people just through like traveling internationally.
0: Oh, wait. <laughs> I know. <laughs> tell me the husband's story. If yeah, you don't mind. I no. Know. Okay. Yeah.
1: I would love to tell it. So long story short, I traveled to Ireland solo um over St. Patrick's Day about like three years ago. And I met his best friend Miguel at the same exact we were staying at the same hostel he checked in right after I did and we ended up staying in the same like co-ed room and we like hit it off I met him and a ton of his friends in Ireland and we hung out over St. Patrick's Day and we just like became really good friends and then later on I, Miguel lives in California. So later on, after we left Ireland and went back to the States, I reached out to him and I was like, I would love to like hang out with you and your friends again. Like, let's, let's get something on the calendar to meet right. up. So we met up in California and he invited my husband, Dane to meet me so he was like the matchmaker so i met my husband through a friend i met in ireland while traveling solo oh my gosh yeah he
0: ever said like when i met you i knew that like like dane was the first person who came to my head or like has he ever told you the thought process Mm. behind his like matchmaking
1: um, so, cause you know, I I was like chronically single for almost like four years before I met Dane. That's so
0: interesting to me because you seem, oh, I hate the word seem because I think mean, you're putting a notion <laughs> no, on someone. No, you're good. But like, you're such a like energy and such a like little jewel. When I <laughs> oh, think thanks. of you, I think of the color emerald green, like that Ooh, light I shiny that. green. And I don't know why, but the, I guess that's just surprising to me. Yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way. course. Of course not. My mom's probably listening, being like, shut up, Paige. <laughs> hey, mom. <laughs> yeah. Hey. We have to redhead in the room. Yay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was single for a while. And like, um, that's a whole other like story in itself of why. But well, when I asked Miguel about it, it was really that, you know, I was single for so long. And I asked him before I came out, I was like, hey, if you have any like cool guy friends that you know of, like, let me know. And I think that's when he thought of Dane. And Dane had also been single for about the same amount of time. So yeah and then we just met in California and the rest is history so
0: wow.
1: yeah <laughs> oh <my laughs> I know that's so it's so wild cute. so that's the thing with travel is you just never know where connections or like these adventures will lead you in your life and so I think if you like go in with an open mind with international travel there's so much like wisdom and things that you can learn from it and you can like Take away from your life. And it's still, I mean, of course, it's still impacting my life today because I'm like married to my husband who's like, I love him. He's awesome, you know? Yeah. So
0: snaps for Dane. Snaps for Dane. <laughs> snaps snap for Dane. <laughs> do you, I think I would have a lot of anxiety if I traveled alone? I don't know why. I think I do. Actually, I think I do know why, but did you feel like you kind of had to like, Push yourself through maybe not necessarily a fear, but like an anxiety of I'm in a different country all by myself. You know, I think we kind of talked about this when you went on your ayahuasca trip.
1: Yeah. Cause I traveled solo to, well, so I traveled solo to Ireland and Peru. And then before that in my, when I was in my corporate job, I was managing 14 states. So I would travel solo a lot in there. So I think that what really led me to first like book that solo trip to Ireland was I was doing a lot of travel and I would travel internationally with friends. Like I think that helps at first if you're able to go like with a group that you trust to, to really get the feel for like how to navigate things there. I think that helped me a lot. But yeah, when, when I booked my solo trip to Ireland, I honestly was just really excited because I feel pretty safe in European countries. So if you are going to travel solo, go somewhere that maybe you feel like you might feel pretty safe in you know like if you're gonna go to like brazil solo you know or like south america i think that there's things to really look out for but i felt really safe in Ireland and I had like planned it out and I and I was gonna meet up with like my friend's grandma at one point in Belfast so I stayed with her for a couple days. Oh, so that's cute. Yeah, yeah. So but I know that if you know someone's listening and they really really want to explore solo travel, just know that there's so many solo travelers out there and a way to make it feel safe and easier is to also stay at hostels. As well, because you will meet a lot of like-minded individuals because it's like all these solo travelers just coming together to stay in this place. Right. So I felt like that was really helpful as well.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to have someone else who's like, well, I'm also here alone. I have a friend who went on a Europe trip and she went by herself and she said, you find people who don't already have a niche and you kind of like make your own yeah. Together. Like you and
1: Miguel. Like me and Miguel and like all of us, you know, we met at the hostel and we hung out. We had like the most like phenomenal time together. So I think if you go to those European cities and explore, like you're going to be safe. Just be like smart. Right. And then you're going to meet people because so many people travel there like just to explore like solo travel so yeah yeah
0: what would you say is something you do to like prioritize traveling because I feel like I put it off where I'm like oh I'll do that another year I'll do that another year and now like from the initial time I got the idea to travel it's probably been four years
1: sure sure definitely so I think for me what has helped is I actually like book travel out like a year in advance or so I get pretty clear on okay what are the top three places I want to visit and And then I kind of start looking at booking things out. How long do I want to go? And set a, set a date for yourself. And then, then you can start booking from there. Because I think that the more you prioritize that travel and book it out in advance, the more likely it is to happen. So I found that, you know, I was able to take three week international trips every year, even when I was in corporate. And I found out how I was able to do that wasn't necessarily due to the, like, how many vacation days I had left, but the suit, like, the earlier I booked it out, the, that's like more negotiating power, like with your employer. You're like, Hey, I really want to do this trip a year from now. Um, it's really important to me. This X, Y, and Z. And I found that my employer was always like, they were always able to negotiate with me to figure that out. Cause I know that's, that's a driving factor for people. It's like, I only have so many weeks of vacation. Dude, plan it out in advance. Yeah. You know, just, just find like book the dates, then book like the flight and then start looking at where you want to go. That makes sense. So definitely planning it out. It's a big key.
0: How do you pick the countries you go to?
1: Whatever your heart calls you to. Honestly, you know, I knew I'd always wanted to visit Ireland because I'm Irish. So that was like a top for me. Yeah. So really just wherever you really want to explore. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was going to say you probably looked like a local when you went to Ireland, but now I guess <laughs> if you are Irish, then it makes sense why you would look like Dude, a local.
1: Dude, it was crazy. Surprisingly, I didn't see too many other redheads and people were coming up to me and are like, oh, are you local from here? Like, um, no, I'm like, no, I'm from the States. I found out there's actually a higher population of redheads in Scotland. Oh. Yeah, because there's, there's also Irish that have really dark hair and blue eyes. So there's like different. Yeah, so I was pretty surprised by that
0: me too yeah i know right i feel like i I feel like the idea of a leprechaun has tainted my idea of like what ireland is yeah oh my god yeah i heard read on your questionnaire when you went to peru that you had to make your own uh period product oh my god (laughs) i I had like, I felt like I read that and then I like, I, my eyes turned to like a movie of you being like, <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't have anything left. And so oh now God, I want you to yeah. tell me the story in all its glory, please.
1: Yes. Cause, okay. So for anyone that's listening, I just got back from Peru, again, because I love Peru. (laughs) I was there for 14 days. And during those 14 days, there was a six day trek that happened. So I basically went hiking and backpacking with my brother. We had a guide and everything. Highly recommend that. So, anyway, um, basically the gist of the hike is we hiked 60 miles and we hit elevations up to like 16,000 to 17,000 feet. So this was probably the most physically and mentally challenging thing I've done in my life. So I can like get into that another time too. But basically the, a lot of things happened during this hike. Like, okay. like every day was joy and struggle. <laughs> like, like you can hold so many emotions for an event at one time. And sometimes I was like, oh my God, the mountain are so magical like look at this and then the next one I was like fuck what I get myself into this is so hard (laughs) so um so one of the things that happened is I underestimated the length of my period I thought that my period was going to be done by the time the hike started no mother nature had a different idea of what was going to happen so it was day four and I realized that I was out of pads and tampons and I didn't have anything else my brother was with me and I I was hiking I was like what the hell am I gonna do like we're in the middle of nowhere there's no convenience stores there's no like anybody to get any of this <laughs> okay, from yeah I'm surrounded by men <laughs> like You know, so
0: I'm like 12,000
1: feet up. Yeah, 12,000 feet up plus. So my brother, I figured out he brought a first aid kit. And so I went into his first aid kit and I literally like jerry rigged and made my own pad out of like sterile gauze pad, like all these like absorbent pads that were in this first aid kit. And I even made like wings for myself, you know, like with like the white adhesive tape. So I had to like, taped it all together and made wings and i was able to make myself a pad it
0: worked it worked i mean that's like (laughs) ingenuity at its finest did you tell your brother just you're like listen man what's your brother's
1: name um aston aston yeah he's my middle brother and he's so wonderful i love him and of course i was like hey man my period's lasting way longer than I thought. I am out of supplies. Can I look at your first aid kit, you know? And after I made the pad and, you know, did all that, then the next, like, after like two days, my period went away. Mm-hmm. And so I let Austin know. I was like, okay, my period's done. He's like, oh, I'm really glad your period is done so we can conserve medical supplies
0: now. <laughs> it was like- that was my next question was like, when you were using this medical supplies for your period... But then, like you were obviously hiking, was there a moment where someone like slipped or something? You're like, oh no, I have all the gauze like used right in now. All the gauze in my underwear right now. <laughs>
1: Sorry, we cannot, like, fix your broken, gushing leg because the gauze is I, in, in my period. Yeah. I mean, in my underwear.
0: It's not a compound fracture. I'm also dealing with something, so.
1: <laughs> yeah. So luckily nothing happened, but I could tell my brother was getting worried by the diminishing supply of his medical supplies because he's, you know, he prepares for things. So I was like, thank you for preparing for my period.
0: <laughs> yeah. When he was putting it all in, he probably had didn't even think about your period. I I feel like men are just like, whoop, whatever. (laughs) I saw a video the other day where this girl was like, called her boyfriend into the bathroom and was like, can you bring me a tampon? You know, whatever. And he comes to, I can't do lemon flavor right now. I need you to like, go get raspberry because the different sizes are like different colors. And he's like, you can taste these things? Like, no idea. Like, a normal person would be like, ha, ha, very funny. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, he wasn't expecting it at all. Um How did you prepare, like, physically for hiking? Because mm. I feel like sometimes I go on hikes and I'm like, it, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, that was interesting because on um, my brother and I trained differently. But Austin, I mean, we're both at basically sea level. You know, I mean, Austin lives in Iowa, I live in Washington. But you know, during the summer, I had hiked, you know, here and there. But really, how I prepared was doing like HIT training, that high intensity <clears throat> interval training. That seemed to really, really work for me. And then I also was in the gym doing compound weight movements, so like squat bench deadlift and cleans and that's kind of all I did and I actually even though like it was challenging I I was able to manage pretty well so that I don't know that's how I trained for it and that seemed to help a lot and my brother he actually would hike you know several days a week with like six to ten miles with like 40 pounds on his back so we both trained pretty differently and and it it both worked for us so yeah yeah, we was there differently.
0: Like a specific <clears throat> moment where you're like, "Okay, air is getting pretty thin up here."
1: Yeah, especially when we hit Rainbow Mountain, and that's that was like at about seventeen thousand feet. Um, that, yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. Like we handled the um altitude pretty well, but it really, we would get headaches and sometimes it'd feel the, the shortness of breath, but the altitude actually kind of messed with our appetite and sleep. So the first three to four days, we were hiking on like three to four hours of sleep and like we weren't eating a ton because we just had really weird appetites. So by, by like day four or five out of the six day
0: hike, we were feeling good. <laughs> yeah. Is this what you mean by, like, <laughs> being able to hold a variety of emotions for an event?
1: Yeah, yeah, because it was just, like, struggle, joy, wonder, uh,
0: yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel like I – it's so weird that your appetite was low. Yeah, right. especially
1: with all that hiking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You'd think you'd be, like, sit down for the day and be, like, borderline, like, ravenous. Oh of yeah, just burning calories. Did you keep any type of like step log, mile log? Like, what'd you?
1: N- yeah, no, I didn't do any of that. But our guide, I mean, so the trek was like a total of sixty miles. Um, so from day one to day six, by the time we were done, it was sixty miles. But <clears throat> yeah, my brother and I, we didn't have any like watches with us to keep track. Our guide did. I know he talked about the steps, and it was like a very, very large amount. <laughs> I can't remember how much it was, but we're it was over hard. The-
0: 10,000 daily steps. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. anything else unexpected happen?
1: Mm, um, I feel that the most unexpected thing, I think, was the difficulty of it, even like with the training. Um, and I literally had to like coach myself sometimes because there's one day we summited three mountains in one day, oh. all with elevations of like 16,000 to 17,000 feet. And I was like, all right, it's gonna take an hour and forty to summit this. I can do anything hard for an hour and forty minutes. I got this. Like there were moments I had to, to really like dig deep and, and find that like motivation.
0: <laughs> Was there ever a time where you were, like, you just stopped and you're, like, I, I'm i fucking done? I can't do this. <laughs> we would
1: take lots of breaks, which was really nice. And I, I looked back, and I think it was day four. I could tell my brother had kind of, like, hit his threshold of adventure, maybe. And, like, we talked later, and, and I'm, like, you know, we can't, like, it's not like we can turn around. Like, we got we to gotta finish this thing. <laughs> we Did got two more was- days. It was, uh, it looked like, like, a horseshoe. Because we hiked around. Um, the Azagante mountain range. So it's like part of the Andes and then up through Rainbow Mountain. So it wasn't like a connecting loop, but it was like here like a horseshoe. Almost. Right. Yeah. So, so you're like wild. close
0: to where you started, but not at where you started.
1: Yeah, I, I, we were at a totally different... So we started at a different town and we ended at a totally different town. So, but... Yeah, it wasn't like we could turn around, you know. Like we had to. I was like, "We, we got to finish this thing, man." We have to literally,
0: keep going. We gotta keep going. Unless you want to set up a tent in these mountains and just live here. Oh
1: man! And I got
0: three weeks until I need another first aid kit.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: That's so funny. When you got to the town, the second town, like so, you're done. Was there a moment of like? you know your brother had hit your threshold you had to use his first aid kit like all these little micro events had happened that you were like oh my god i'm like back at civil like that like moment you know
1: yeah it felt well i felt i felt really good to complete that track even like with all the challenges that we face with, you know, our appetite or sleep, like just the physicality of it. And like my period, like, you know, heavy period days while hiking 10 plus miles. Oh, rough, man. Yeah. Um, But it, it felt really good to get to the town. And then like we had lunch and there were some hot springs there that we were like going to jump into. But we were like so tired that we got in the van and they just took us back. And it was like a four hour drive back. So we were just... Like... We felt really good to be done and to be able to like, be like, okay, we did that. Like looking back now, I'm like really glad that we did it, you know, right. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I can do hard things.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like a, you've added to your baseline where you're like, well, I trekked 60 miles through Peru. So like X, Y, and Z isn't really that hard, is it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's something like when we continue to do like hard things that are emotionally challenging, like you said, it kind of expands your capacity to take on things that That maybe you thought were really emotionally challenging, but you find that they aren't as bad. I I don't know. Yeah, I think it does kind of expand your capacity. But then um, I'm also kind of like, okay, I'm just kind of ready to settle in at home and, you know, like not travel for at least six months.
0: (laughs) You're yeah. like, I'm adventured out for a second. <laughs> for a second. Our yeah. stateside <laughs> adventures will be perfectly fine. Yeah, for sure. I know you also said that there's like a huge lack of consumerism in Peru. <clears throat> I want to go to Europe because like, obviously, oh, Europe's Europe. Great. But I also want to go to countries where like, you are expected it's like the norm to survive on less because sometimes I walk around my house I'm like look at all like look at that snow globe right there (laughs) like what is that doing you know
1: what I mean yeah 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 so like one of the coolest things about the track besides like the raw just like untouched beauty we saw was the communities that we met who live deep in the mountain valleys I'm talking days and days away from any kind of town. And I might butcher the name of the people, but it's essentially they're called like the, the Kichwa people and they are descendants of the Incans. And so essentially they have no running water, have no electricity. They live in stone and mud huts and they have large like pieces of land that, They all have some form of like alpaca or llama that they're farming, you know, so you'll see just like wild alpaca and llamas like all throughout the mountain valleys, you know, like on our track. And so meeting these people was it was really eye opening for me because, well, one one of the things one of our guides was from that region, but the families we met, they all seemed like really content and like pretty happy. Right. And so I it just made me reflect a lot on happiness and what that means. Because, you know, coming from the States, like if we were to like look at these people, maybe we think that they don't have anything right but to the, but to these people they have everything they need and so it just really made me reflect a lot on happiness and like consumerism and like when is enough enough and yeah you know like how how can we find more contentment with what we actually have because with all my travels like with third world world countries we are actually like living like royalty here in the states like you know my my fiance and I we rent a town home right now but we are living like royalty compared to a majority of the of like the world you know so it just kind of i think that's another thing with travel it really shifts your perspective on on life in that way
0: right yeah Was it interesting to like I mean, obviously, you couldn't like really talk to these people like one on one, but when you pass through, were they like, wait a minute, like, what are you doing here?
1: Yeah, well, so they were, um, they were very friendly, and like, it seemed. So the company that we we went with is called Flashbacker Connect, and it's a travel adventure company, and they actually like had this trek that I, you know, had had paid for to do, and what's cool is they actually work with these local communities to set up like shelters, you know, for. For us to go into, and they pay these communities like a a monthly sum to like rent their land out so i think that they are used to having people kind of trek through parts of their land which is cool but they all were just like very friendly and just like really content and it was just it was just a totally different way of like living in life that is like happening right now like you know it's so that was that was just really eye-opening
0: did you come back from that experience and look at the life that you have now and look at things and feel like it's like somewhat unnecessary or like, I can get rid of this and this and this and this, you know?
1: Yeah. I think that it did shift my perspective on, um, like the things, I think it's fine to want things, right? I mean like you spend your money on what makes you happy. And so for some people, that's like a, a new car. Maybe it's like getting facials or like like designer clothing, you know? But I, I guess for me, it reflected on, okay, like I have more than enough clothes that I need. I have all these things that I need. And, and it just like, why, why do I want more? Like, where is that coming from? If that makes sense.
0: Oh, so it was less of like a material thing and more of like an inner thing.
1: Yeah, I think, well, yeah. Well, so for me, um it shifted my perspective on like where is it coming from that i think i need this like new outfit or this new like piece of clothing or 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 new item like like where is that coming from and do i actually want that or is it because i think it's going to like make me feel a certain way or it just had me reflect on what's a want versus a need mm-hmm. and i think it's okay to to want things right? But I think there's a point where, you know, I've seen some people that put their whole identity and happiness into materialism.
0: I have too. Yeah, Yeah.
1: And that can become a pretty vicious cycle. Because when we buy things, it gives us a sense, you know, there's like dopamine that's released, it feels good, but that that eventually wears off. So it's not really like sustainable happiness. And so when I buy things, now it's like, it's like for a purpose and a reason. And Also, does it, like, bring me joy, if that makes sense, too? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Is it going to serve more of a purpose than just being something to wear? Is it going to, you know... I've also just read something. I'm pretty sure I found it on Reddit. So, this... I'm not saying this, like... (laughs) I read this study from the NIH. I, like... I'm pretty sure I found (laughs) this article on Reddit of, like, retraining your brain... To desire dopamine from different sources other than, like, capitalism, social media, and, like, those kind of, like, quicker sources of dopamine and investing, like lifestyle aspects or maybe, like, habits that mm-hmm. supply dopamine, but just not maybe in what we consider now to be, like, conventional ways.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think it's kind of, like, um it sounds like habits that are more, like, long-lasting that bring that dopamine effect or even, like, working towards something that maybe requires some effort, but in the end, it'll bring that dopamine effect that you're looking for. Yeah, because I think – I don't know. I just have like a member of my family that I've seen just like collect things and things and things and things. And there's just like a never ending cycle. And then it's like, they're not really happy. And so I just think that we... We can be happy with what we have. It's just a matter of, like, finding that contentment and like, the now and the here and now. I think it's really about, like, cultivating that contentment and that, like, gratitude. I know it's a huge buzzword, but it it is proven to, like, create new neural networks in the brain for you to, like, focus more on, like, the positive things in life. And so – yeah, that just meeting those people, um, it was it was really eye opening. I was like, what does happiness actually mean? Is it actually a bigger house? Is it actually a newer car? Is it all that like that American dream stuff that I think leaves a lot of people feeling less than and like not fulfilled? Right. Yeah.
0: I think my problem is trying to find dopamine and things that are like um like sometimes I think okay, so like I I'm graduating soon sometimes I think like what if I just didn't do anything that had to do with my degree and I just lived in the middle of nowhere it's like no you need to find like what you think will give you dopamine without like completely self-destructing your life (laughs) like let's just like throw a bomb over there and hopefully it'll make me happy it's so tempting to just Hmm. not like not throw everything away but just kind of be like well maybe that's the secret sauce. Like, maybe I should
1: do that and just, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for, like, I think you can do so many things without, like, it being tied to your degree. That happened to me.
0: That's so true. That happened you, to me.
1: I was so, in science major, like you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: We're two little genetics girls. I know. We love science. <laughs> and Except and- <laughs> you're an nerd, and you like <laughs> micros.
1: So. I know. I like micro as well. I double majored. I was like, why did I do that? <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: <laughs> so funny. Yes, that is true. Like, but I don't see that from my perspective of you, you very much integrate yeah science and like your understanding of science into what you do. Yes. I think that that's is true. Why I am very like drawn to you too, is there's so many people who are like well like drink this tea this you detox know what I mean? tea or like yeah, whatever it's very almost like I don't want to say fate
1: but mm. very
0: like It's not that simple. There's other things that are going on behind everything. Like you said, like gratitude rewires your brain.
1: Yeah. That that right there, half
0: of that is science, proven science. And I think the reason I enjoy you so much and your message is that there is that science behind there. Because sometimes when people kind of, I don't want to say ignore science or they don't take into accountability the importance of it, I don't believe it. I discredit it and that's my that's my toxic trait is like (laughs) I've I've admitted this before I if you're not willing to like look at it from all angles I'm not willing to listen which is I'm gonna work on it I'm gonna work on it but just I don't know how to explain it I I enjoy your science background and I think that you use it a lot
1: Thank you. I I do actually. I really integrate my science background with my coaching because I think like you, I've seen a lot of things on the internet that Maybe like drink this detox tea or do this and this and I'm and i feel sometimes it's not really supported by like science and and for me clients that come to me i want to give them like the best coaching experience possible and actually create like lasting changes for these women and that is backed by like science and a lot of it is that i like to use is it's like backed by like neuroscience biology food nutrition you know a lot right. a lot of those aspects and but like so when i was in corporate i felt like i use my science degree a little bit but not as much but now that I'm in a profession that I really love that's when I'm able to like integrate all these things which I know you and I will talk about this too but that's why I'm so fascinated by psilocybin and um, right let's
0: modalities. talk about that now because like honestly when we first started that conversation I was like oh yes I'm I'm all for learning new things and I'm so glad that you brought it up because then I was able to like research kind of stuff about it too. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait till, yeah. Okay. So what exactly is it from your perspective? How would you describe psilocybin? Psilocybin.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a type of mushroom that essentially, um, produces like hallucinogenic effects, um, that can be like visual, like you can see visuals, things of that nature. So essentially psilocybin is like, quote unquote, a psychedelic. And there's so it's so much more than that. And so um there's tons of history behind psychedelics in general they've actually been used in civilizations for thousands and thousands of years even like dating back to like Egyptian times Aztec Incan times a lot of it was used for religious and like sacrament purposes Mm -hmm. but it was like a way for them to like communicate with like you know, they're, they're gods in a sense, right? So it's actually been used, um, quite like frequently throughout history because I think humans, we have a natural tendency to want to kind of alter our consciousness be, and I'll bring it up in, in a different way too. We're, we're actually altering our consciousness every day through coffee, through marijuana, through alcohol, alcohol. through medic, oh, prescription drugs, you know, medication.
0: That's a good point. I didn't think about prescription drugs. Like if you're taking Adderall,
1: Yeah. That alone
0: is just wild. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I think that kind of humans innately have some kind of desire to alter their consciousness. And so there's a lot of stigma though, behind psilocybin, you know? And so I think one reason I really also am fascinated by like Peru and the culture there is, um, like ayahuasca came from there. Right. And so a lot of like the and, and I, I'm pretty sure they also use psilocybin as well. But what happened was um, the Incans were using that. And when the Spanish invaded, um, they were a lot of Catholic missionaries came in and just like decimated the culture. And they basically outlawed any type of medicinal uses for psilocybin or anything like that for a lot of different reasons but it's just fascinating because also when you're in peru um you'll see there's all these like catholic churches and all almost all of them are built on top of like an incan temple that was like demolished why oh yeah because like the spanish didn't they spanish had their own god that they wanted the people to believe in and they just wanted to destroy the culture so ever since it feels like the beginning of time there's been a stigma around this type of medicine it's it's not until pretty recently that that stigma is starting to shift right towards looking at it in a different different way
0: i mean they're even looking at it for well i read that it's mostly used to treat depression anxiety and substance abuse is that right
1: and ptsd as well
0: oh nice okay that's a great conversation to have yeah do you how
1: yeah. So they are, they're studying. They're, so first off, there's all these studies going on with like Harvard, John Hopkins, like um, Stanford, there, there are huge universities and big name scientists that are actively doing research. And they the research that's coming out is absolutely like like phenomenal. Um, so there's an area of the brain, I think I talked about this last time called like the default mode network. Right.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So essentially, this is like a region of the brain that I want to call is kind of like our ego mind. So this kind of allows us to interact in our day to day. It's like the everyday waking level of consciousness. But what they're finding is that this area of the brain, if it's really hyperactive, um, there, that means like people can be like, like either like really depressed or stuck in like ruminating thoughts, really like negative thoughts. There's a lot of correlations between this default mode network and the quote unquote, like mental health issues of the world. So it's either with like a decrease in connectivity or hyperactivity. What psychedelics do is they boom, shut that down. They basically like, it's like a reset for your brain. So essentially this default mode network, think of all of the habits that we have. Every time we have it, we we create a habit or a way of being or thinking. It's like creating like a groove in your brain, like continually, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like it's kind of hard to get out of that. Psychedelics are able to like shut that down. And what happens is it decreases activity in the brain, but it increases connectivity so both parts of your brains the lateral sides of your brains connect and your ego center um the default mode network kind of like pauses so it's like people talk about the ego dissolution that happens with psychedelics ego death ego death Same thing. it's the default mode network that the, that the psychedelics are acting on so what this essentially is is letting people do is to view themselves, their traumas, and anything that's happened in their life from a totally different perspective, usually with like more empathy and understanding. And there's a process like this helps people to let go. Scientists are still trying to figure out like how these psychedelics really, really work. But there's a lot of research that's done with like the default mode network and PTSD. So it's essentially some kind of act of like letting go viewing the situation in a different light. And it's kind of like a brain reset if you think about it. And so what's really fascinating is they're finding like months, sometimes even years after like one psilocybin therapy that there's like almost like better connectivity in the brain. And, um, a lot of these people are still having like, um, they're still feeling really I, I would say, well, like their their depressive sy- symptoms aren't as high, or there's like a different way of being that they're like emulating. So it's honestly like the biggest reset. Okay. For your brain. I
0: have two questions. Yeah. Okay. So when you say that it makes new pathways in the brain, yeah. that then in turn improves plasticity, right?
1: Oh, yeah. This is like the biggest neuroplasticity, like plasticity tool is like psychedelics.
0: So then that could help not keep your brain young but like it's almost like a brain exercise right because isn't plasticity keeping good connectives and like new connections
1: yeah it's like keeping like like it's, it's essentially creating like new pathways i view it so it's like your brain is constantly like changing and creating new neural pathways based on like input and what's happening in your life so yeah essentially that's what it's doing it's like creating new neural pathways for let's say you create a new neural pathway because you're able to view like maybe a certain trauma in a different light. And it's like a different way of thinking comes from that. And um, so, yeah, it's like, a, they're, they're amazing tools. And there's like so many different forms of, of, of like psychedelics, but um yeah, like psilocybin and ayahuasca are, are researched LSD. And then I also heard some like really interesting studies about Ibogaine, which is a psychedelic from a like basically tree bark out of Africa with like um soldiers that have severe debilitating PTSD.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's really, really fascinating. Um because yeah, so I could Okay,
0: wait, <laughs> yeah, I know i am forget I was, my you have next question. question. Okay, so thank you for the answer on the plasticity part. When that de- default mode network, is mm-hmm. that what that's called? Yeah. When that boots back up, mm-hmm. you said before you know, it's either super hyperactive or decreased in function or activity, when it boosts back up, is it balanced then? Or does it kind of go back to where it was? But since you've already built these other networks, you've exercised your plasticity, then it kind of levels out? Or like, what does it come back to? Yeah,
1: so the studies that I've read show that typically the default mode network comes back in almost like a a better maybe i don't want to say better way because like better is like a, a adjusted, hard word maybe. it's it's adjusted yeah either there is less hyperactivity so there's less rumination less negative thinking and there's also like increased connectivity so different areas of the brain are connecting that haven't before so it's literally like rewiring your brain and your thinking and um it's the stuff is fascinating, and to me, I I think we all have a right to explore our own consciousness. It's pretty frustrating to me that the stuff is still illegal. Besides, like I know we'll talk about it, but in Oregon, starting in January, right. it's going to be legalized to get January. In
0: January, in January coming it's up coming up quick. Right? I didn't realize it was so
1: so fast. Yeah, so that'll be legal to get like you have to go to like a facility to get psilocybin mental health therapy. But um, I I. I'm hopeful that at some point this stuff will be legalized. And I actually heard a really great quote from the Huberman Lab podcast, which I listen to a lot.
0: <laughs> Andrew Huberman. Yeah. You know, I, Damn. Have biggest, yeah, I have the biggest crush on Andrew Huberman and Lex Friedman.
1: Oh my God. I Dark-haired love those Dark haired, intelligent men. Oh. <laughs> Goodness. I know, right? Um, There's a really great episode he has. I think the doctor's name is Dr. like Williams, Nelson Williams. And he is like a triple board certified psych, um, psychologist. He's doing a ton of research at Stanford right now on psychedelics. And he said something that was really interesting to me is, you know, if you just let go of all the stigma of psychedelics, and let's say the world just found these tools today, he's like, He's like, this would be like the biggest break, breakthrough in mental health. Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's due to like the stigmas of what's happening now. Um, like for example, Ibogaine that I mentioned.
0: Tree bark from Africa.
1: Tree bark from Africa. And. They're, they're doing studies right now on Ibogaine with soldiers who have absolutely debilitating PTSD. Like they can't function. They do an I, an Ibogaine session, which could last anywhere from 24 to 36 hours. They come back. Oh, it's
0: potent.
1: Yeah. I've heard that Ibogaine, I've never tried Ibogaine, but I heard that it's one of the more like, um, it just lasts longer. And I think that there is some risk involved there because I think it elevates like your heart. And everything, there's like some cardiac stuff there, but you can screen for that. That's what like they're working on. But anyway, after these soldiers go through the Ibogaine therapy, they come back with like tremendous, like improvement in their condition, like more able to function in their like day-to-day life and society. So it's, it's really fascinating that these tools are available to us. And um, what's really cool is they're like non-toxic are non-addictive. You know, they did some studies on um people on the Amazon who use ayahuasca for ceremony purposes. And there's even children that are exposed to this. And like um in the Amazon, because it's just part of their culture. And there's right. a scientist that went out and like studied these like the, the kids even and there's like no neurotoxic effects. Like they're completely fine. And so to me it's like really exciting because I know um, so many people that are on like antidepressants or are looking for treatment because a lot of people have treatment resistant depression. So that means like you're depressed and you're taking antidepressants, but then it's like your symptoms aren't really, nothing's really helping. Nothing's
0: improving it.
1: This is psychedelics, um, are shown to help that.
0: Yeah. Whoa! Well, I'm thinking about the children um, exposed to it in the Amazon. Like, yeah. what if they had a certain traumatic event, whether that was, like, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and they were able to reap the benefits of this medicine, and then they were they, – they could save themselves, like, so much – time and so much emotional stress and further trauma if you kind of like just nipped it in the butt you're like okay we know that something really bad happened and we're boom yeah you know like i'm talking years off of someone's life like people's life they spend years just kind of like lost in this abyss yeah it's almost just like pulling their head out of water in a way
1: it it is and it's it's um i like he also said like with ibogaine this board-certified psychologist said, I cannot
0: wait to listen. Oh, I'm it's like, so great. What do I have oh, to do today that I can, like, listen to this I rec- podcast?
1: I recommend it so much for anybody who's interested. But what he said about um, Ibogaine is it's basically like doing 10 years of hard psychiatric therapy. In
0: a day and a half? Yes. Wow.
1: Yeah. So it's... um I'm I'm like really fascinated by this work. You know, that's why I have my ayahuasca retreat in Peru like right, for people up. yeah in August and you know um it's like Luzma who's the medicine woman who is like really trained in this who she's going to do like the ceremony plant medicine part and I'm doing like the intention integration coaching stuff because I think um I've done research on bridging psychedelics with like coaching psychology mindfulness and like like basically helping people form really good habits and like creating what they want to create like marrying the two i'm really um interested in that and there's been research done with like combining mindfulness with like psilocybin and um there's been pretty profound uh changes in these people who go through this process like they have um Changes in, like, their behavior and habits and just, like, ways of being in the world. Right. So, I'm, like, really fascinated by, like, combining these. Like, I'm actively, like, researching and, like...
0: I was e- just going to say... Experimenting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> like I'm um, i find everything. I was just going to say, it sounds like your time commitment to reading and having uh, current information is high. Like... Very high. I almost want to ask you if you do it like a study, uh, study, uh, practices. You're like,
1: yeah, I, I guess I'm just like kind of constant. It seems like it's like a constant thing I'm reading up on because I, I don't, I have just had this like, uh, passion for exploring like the deeper parts of who we are and um i think just how i grew up like i grew up in a really open minded household and then seeing my mom suffer from severe like treatment resistant depression yeah has been true. has been hard and i've seen her go through the mental health system and all the challenges that are associated with that and i think like of course therapy and medication there's nothing wrong with that i i don't know if um you know I always am like, are people supposed to be on antidepressants the rest of their lives? Like I've seen, um, the effects of that because there's always side effects with those medications. And that's why I'm so interested in psychedelics because, um, it's non-toxic, non-addictive, and you yeah. could get 10 years of therapy work done in a session, you know? And, but, but I think there's something to be said though about coming to this medicine with an intention and if you're able to integrate it. Yeah. I was
0: yeah. just going to say, I think it's, I mean, Obviously, because of my relationship to the military, that's the, fr- that's the only thing I'm thinking about right now is like how many people I can think of off the top of my head that would benefit from using psilocybin yeah. for their PTSD. But the hard thing that I keep coming to is whether that person is going to have enough open-mindedness and mm. enough, um, like you said, intention or purpose behind it for it to actually have a benefit. Because what if people don't go into it with that intention of healing, facing trauma, then does it not work the same? Like, what's what's the percentage, yeah. would you say, of mm. self-starting to just like, no, that's just like what's going to happen in your brain?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I think that the, the changes will happen in your brain regardless, right? Like there is going to be that sup- like almost like suppression reset of the default mode network. But I think that there is something to be said about how you approach it. Um, people that are in the psychedelic sphere, sphere, it's like setting is everything like where are you doing it who are you around like what does this look like right so if people are using it recreationally that can be like fun and and whatever but I think that you have um there's a greater chance of you having like a bad trip if you use it like in a recreational like party kind of way like I don't really view this this medicine in that way I think that if you you can use it on your own it's just like Come with it with an intention, like write down, like, what is my intention for exploring this medication? Cause it's very, not medication, this plant, because it's, it's very powerful. It could bring up things that you have repressed. It could bring up a whole, a whole spiel of things, right? And it's yeah. just kind of like sitting with it and like, what's my intention and setting? Very important. Very important. Yeah.
0: What do you think – I mean, people can come with intention, but, like, what are other common misconceptions about psilocybin that you think are detrimental to, like, its progress and, like, future studies? Or do you think that it's, like, America is pretty – okay, like, we're with it.
1: Mm, Yeah, so what do I think for misconceptions around psilocybin? Well, so I think – I think one is like the stigma around it. Like if you have some kind of like lasting stigma around so like psychedelics or like you think it's a bunch of like, I don't know, I think it comes all comes down to like how you approach it, you know, and um, I just think that there's misconceptions around, um, you know, if you have like a bad trip, like what that means, there's misconceptions around that. And I think it really just comes down to how you approach it. Right. honestly the intention and then if you have some kind of support system to talk at least talk to somebody about what you experience and how to integrate that i think that's important too yeah yeah so that's kind of like bridging like the psychedelics with like the like the coaching or like therapy aspect of it
0: right like a follow-up to it almost yeah
1: like a follow-up
0: yeah i think that's what kind of like not puts me off i'm like open to the idea and like research is amazing but like you hear about these bad trips that people have and you're just like, Whoa, I don't know. Like, yeah. it scares me. But I think that's also, like, I doubt the people that I've heard of, like, Yeah. set good intentions they're obviously doing it recreationally so they maybe weren't like you said like setting is everything setting is everything yeah what um is there a way if like I'm just going back to when I was younger and it was like oh everyone's (laughs) doing it, you know and so do you think there's a way that you're able to kind of like self-talk yourself out of like a bad trip or is it like once you're down that road you're down that road and um, that's where yeah. you're going.
1: Yeah, there definitely is. So there's, there's, I've heard also that if you chew on like a pep, like a peppercorn, that that can help like bring your trip down. But also something that I like have told myself, or if I was in the ceremony, like with Usemots, like it's a round trip ticket. Like you're going to come back. Like you're not, you know, oh. like you're going to come back. It's going to be okay. And just, um, also I'll just like take deep breaths and like connect like with my body and just Mm -hmm. be like, what is it that, um, the medicine wants me to see right now? Like, why am I seeing this? Like, and typically maybe it's like some kind of thing I've repressed or something like that. But in my experience, I've had, I've, I've hardly had like a bad experience. It's, um, it's really fascinating when you take psilocybin, what happens, um, you connect way more to the present moment. I've had almost nothing but like feelings of like love, for, like, humanity. Like, it makes me want to just help other people. Like, I, I don't know. It's 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 really incredible. It kind of makes you realize what's really important to you in your life. And, like, who's important to you. Right. why. Yeah. See,
0: we have these conversations. Even when we had the conversation about ayahuasca... We'll have these conversations. I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to do ayahuasca. And my PTSD and depression is going to be healed. And now we're having this conversation about psilocybin. It's like when I'm in the room with you and you tell me about all these things, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. And then you leave and I'm like by myself and I'm like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. I'm cheekening out. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Where did I... I guess I just don't have the courage. I don't know. It like, I'll talk to you off the one way, and then you leave, and I'm like, mmm. <laughs> I don't know.
1: And and that's okay too, because I think that you have to be one, you wanna feel like pretty called to it. And I think it's normal to have those feelings of like, what am I getting myself into? Just because of the stigma around it, like the counterculture and everything. My advice is like if somebody's really interested in trying psilocybin, like like start with low doses. Like you can even start with microdoses of like 0.25 grams to like 0.5, you know? And I even think like one gram of psilocybin is like a nice way to ease yourself in to see, like, how you interact, like, what kind of things are brought up or happening for you, like, yeah. in that time, you know? Like, you don't have to go the full, like, heroic dose of, like, three, four grams. You don't have to do that. <laughs> that seems
0: yeah. like so much. That's another popular thing that I've noticed in probably the last two years up here is that, like, everyone is so casual about microdosing, where they'll be like, oh, yeah, I microdosed, like, all last week, and it's, like... <laughs> wind up. Wait a
1: minute. (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like, it's, um, there's a lot of popularity around microdosing and, and actually like, Silicon Valley, a lot of people that are in the tech world actually microdose. And it, like a lot of like our our technology that's created has been created based on people who are on like psychedelics or microdosing. So microdosing has been shown to have a really good benefit actually. So you can start with like 0.25 grams. It's like a little capsule. And so you can get capsules that have lion's mane in it along with it, which is a really great mushroom for like just like your brain and like B3. So there's really great capsules you can get, but, and there's so many different protocols on how to approach it. Some people do like once every three days or it, there's lots of different protocols, but it's like, it helps you to feel more euphoric, happier in life. Creativity increases. Um, typically depression, depression symptoms decrease. Some people are able to sleep better. You feel just more connected to yourself and other people. It's actually pretty amazing. So that is also a really good way to kind of introduce yourself into uh, that type of medicine.
0: So you wouldn't have to take the big leap at once or could you... Can you like microdose and then you're like, okay, I want to do the big one, like four grams straight to the dome, you know? Yeah. I mean, can you if, do that or is yeah, it like, do it and then the little pieces?
1: Yeah. I think it just depends on the person. Like if you're feeling pretty apprehensive, but you really want to explore, maybe start with lower doses. Right. But if you're somebody who's like, okay, I've microdosed or, or if you just want to go straight to three, four grams, my, my advice is like one, create your intention. right? Right? Like, why, why do you what do you want to get out of this? And why? What are you looking for? And then two is like setting, like, either like in nature, or typically in your home, you know, even if like you're by yourself, like get cozy things, blankets. There's all sorts of playlists out there that you can listen to while you're on your inward journey. Like, like, um, like John Hopkins has made their own playlist and like all these no. kind of places. Yeah. There's like, I can send them to you after, Please. but they're on Spotify. So there's music specifically out there to help you with like your journey in a sense. So I would just recommend like safe setting, like somewhere you feel comfortable in. And something I've noticed is like, I don't ever, um, use it when I'm on my cycle because when I'm on my cycle and my period typically you know as women we're different every week based on our hormone cycle yeah, when yeah. i'm on my period i there's just a lot more things that come up for me you know and so i know like for me it just puts me in a different state of mind around my period so that's something i recommend for women is like don't do it when you're on your period Oh my! it's <laughs> a different different experience <laughs> i would
0: have never even thought of that to be honest yeah, like you're just your hormones are totally different. So your emotions are going to be different. And then yeah. you're not at a baseline. Yeah. I yeah. think your baseline is two weeks after your period. Right.
1: Yeah. So for me, it's like um, once my period's done, then I start feeling like more, I would say, like, like myself. I, I yeah. don't know if that's the way yeah, I would describe it. Like, yeah, like. Two or three days after my period's done. But yeah, we're different. Every week. Every week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
0: Okay. So when you first brought up this topic, I remember hearing on a podcast this guy named John Marco Allegro. Have you heard of him? I don't
1: think so. So
0: he was this ordained minister who studied the Dead Sea Scrolls, I think. Mm. And so what they did is they DNA tested the Dead Sea Scrolls. And he studied them for 14 years. And his huge revelation or the conclusion from his studies was that essentially Christianity was like a misunderstanding. And that when the Romans came, they basically wanted to hide their stories of psilocybin and tripping and so they disguised it as like a religion wow and then that's also like support for the stoned ape theory i've Isn't heard that? of that yeah. yeah
1: that's how like humans came to be because apes were like eating mushrooms like psilocybin mushrooms right. essentially and i've so heard the, that theory like,
0: manna from the heavens is like the yeah. mushrooms that come like after rain and it's like well god sent us this rain which gave us this mushrooms and now we eat those. And that's why they think like Jesus walked on water. And I was like, <laughs> What's going on? Like, what is going What's on? going on with this
1: mushroom psilocybin stuff? It's, it's, I think it's just been honestly just like the research and like what you're talking about. I think that psychedelics have been part of the human history for thousands and thousands of years, like thousands of years.
0: It's so interesting that even though it's been here for so long that it's illegal. It's so weird yeah. that other humans can be like, other humans, you can't do that.
1: Yeah, and I, oh gosh, it's really frustrating because I think that's where it comes back to. I think we all have a right to explore our own consciousness. And, um, if you think about it, kind of like what we talked about with the, um, the Incans and the Spanish coming in and like the, the Catholic missionaries, they repressed all of that because, you know, they, what I've read is that, you know, if you, when you take psilocybin, essentially, like, like the Incans did, they didn't need to go to a priest to connect with God. Like, when they were taking psilocybin, like, their gods were in the nature, in themselves. Like, it helps you just connect to everything around you. And it's like, you know, there's, there's no way to control people who look at life in that way. Right. Yeah.
0: There's no bridling
1: them. Yeah. And there's a lot of like repression, I think still because of that, but then also because of the counterculture of like the 60s and 70s when these drugs were used basically recreationally. If you think about it, a lot of those people were really against like, like basically everything that was going on in, in the U.S., right? But right. it's because those, psilocybin helps you view life in a different way and and it helps you see the control that's happening and and i don't know it just it can shift your perspective on a lot of things so i think that there's a lot of aspects of why it's illegal still but i'm really really hopeful about the research what's going on and how it's how it's shifting dramatically
0: when you um take your first uh big like we'll call it a big one I don't know (laughs) it's not very scientific (laughs) when you take your first macro dose and then you wait some time you have your plasticity your connections your shutdown you know whatever and then you do it again do you have the same percentage of new connections the same Mm -hmm. percentage of adjustment or is it like you have your first one, boom, and it's like a maintenance? Or can you continually, continually go, go, go?
1: Yeah, my understanding, like I don't know, I don't know a percentage, but my understanding is that this happens every time you take it.
0: Oh, so it's like the same percentage of change it, each time.
1: And that's my understanding, is because like either way, but it, again, it depends on like the dosage, right? Like if you're gonna take just like. 0.25 versus four, that's like a totally different ego dissolution, if that makes sense. So you're going to have a greater, greater ego dissolution, a greater like pause of the default mode network if you take anywhere from like two to four grams versus like 0.25. So I view like the 0.25 2, is like an elevation.
0: Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So we talked about coming into to trips. I, I hate using the word trip. <laughs> it like sounds like- so, there's a lot of stigma with that, right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> to your experience with intention. But what would you say is kind of like, almost like a checklist that you can go through before you decide to go down this path?
1: Mm, okay, so before you d- decide to even like take... So, or if you want to take it.
0: Like, what's the pre and the post look like? Like, yeah. we've talked about what happens during, but yeah. like, what's our, our, what are these called? Parentheses. Parentheses around. <laughs> so, this
1: is for someone who is like, okay, I want to take this. What, what are my steps here? So, I think the pre is, I think, let me know if this is, um, what, what you need, but like, one is like intention, you know, like, write down why you want to do this, what you want to get from it. To kind of check in with yourself mentally, like, how am I feeling? Like, how am I doing, like, mentally and physically? And um, three is to really decide, like, when and where you want to do it. And for me, like, I would recommend either in your home or close to nature, but somewhere where you don't have to operate any kind of vehicle you know right yeah that's really really important and then like setting up your your setting essentially like are you going to be alone like I would recommend that or have somebody like close by like in another you know hanging out at home like a you. person
0: that like if things are going south or you feel like you need company you're they know you're gonna do it like a, yeah what are they called
1: it's like a it's like a buddy like a buddy. System. <laughs> it's like a buddy system you know even hey, if you girl. just want to reach out to somebody that you're close with and like hey I'm gonna experience Experience this. Um, Just to let you know, I'm going to be doing this. If I need help, I'll like reach out. Just have somebody there that will make you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. essentially. And then set up your place. Like I recommend like cozy items, like blankets, um, music, anything that's going to bring you joy. Like light the room up. Like I I always like to vibe out my place with like candles or incense or things that make me happy.
0: And you don't suggest participating in anything else so like don't be drinking while you correct you know what I mean like just let this be your primary or is that like an option
1: yeah I would let it be your primary if you want to just experience the the psilocybin with itself I would recommend like no marijuana no alcohol definitely not um definitely have like water and a snack out What happens with with psilocybin or these kind of like uh, psychedelics is sometimes nausea will come up and you will have lack of appetite. And sometimes people don't drink water because that just kind of goes out the window. Like you don't think about it. So if you can have
0: some water set out just to make sure
1: you drink some water.
0: Yeah. Like that visual reminder. Yeah. Okay. So now we did our pre- We have like this super great experience and we know how to talk ourselves down if it's not. Yeah. And now the next day, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. Typically you feel fine. There's no like hangover effect or whatsoever, but you might, depending on the dose you took, you might be asking like, whoa, what is this like reality? What is my life? Like, what is going on? Just know that's normal. (laughs) (laughs) That is my life. <laughs> yeah, like just know that's normal. And oh, oh, and another thing I forgot to mention is to have a journal with you during your trip or during your experience. So you oh, can write down, so you can write down notes because what will happen is after you leave your trip and the next day, it's kind of like your default mode network is back on, right? Your ego is back. Does that make sense? So everything, all the wisdom you learn from your trip, it's, it can be hard to remember what happened. Definitely keep notes, even in your phone, write little things down, journal. <laughs> anything that comes up during your experience. That's really important.
0: Okay. Wait, let's go back. Yeah. To let's go back to the trip quick. Yeah. Um, Is there like certain activities that you recommend doing? Like obviously you're journaling, you're staying cozy, you're listening to music, but the trip usually lasts like how long? Oh
1: man. <laughs> Depending. It could last like six plus hours. So it's so like a, a while.
0: Yeah, you got to. Yeah. So like what are like trip approved activities? I don't know if that's a dumb question because when it came out of my mouth, it sounded kind of dumb or felt <laughs> dumb.
1: But. No, you're totally good. So uh you're basically just going to want to like lie down and get cozy. Like they're, you're not going to want to like like run around or do anything. If you're in nature, I do recommend like bring in a hammock or something like that, like you're just going to want to chill. So the activities like that I I recommend are either a journal just to jot down anything that you feel is worth remembering, or even you can pull up like a note section on your phone and just kind of like, write them write some things down. But other than that, I mean, music, blankets, you're, you're going to kind of want to lounge. Or if you take a lighter dose and you're hiking through nature, like, hiking is okay, you know? But it, just when you get – if you get to, like, one, one and a half plus grams, you're going to want to, like, take it easy. Chill
0: it out. Yeah,
1: you're going to just want to lay down. Okay.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. let's go back to post now. Yeah. So now do- you don't know what your life is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or you're like, I learned all these things. Like, what is – what do I do here? So – It's to me, like I'm still honestly reflecting on like my experiences, like to me, just be open to the lessons that are going to keep coming to you in your life after the experience. So, um, so post, just give yourself some, some grace and just some, some space to kind of like, think about your experience. And if there's anything that you learned that you want to do things differently in your life. And you can kind of start that process of like integrating and you can do that through like journal prompts. You can, um, you know, still work with your default mode network through like meditation, mindfulness. That's another tool that actually helps to like with your default mode network. There's things you can do to, to begin to integrate, but you know, my advice is like, what's, what's like one lesson or one big takeaway? You know, even if you just had one thing from that that's that's going to be medicine for you in your life
0: yeah yeah oh interesting yeah the next day I feel like I would just be like none of this matters
1: (laughs) yeah yeah you kind of look at things and like whoa okay Life but you, is weird.
0: You help people post in pre-write? Yeah.
1: So essentially, so I have my 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 coaching that I do. And, you know. Yes, I, I have, know some
0: of your clients and they are literally in love with you.
1: Oh, that's so sweet. Like literally
0: <laughs> the <laughs> first time I met one of them, they were like, you interviewed Erica. And I was like, yeah, like Erica's my gal. And they're like, she's my coach and she has completely transformed my life. Oh, that's like, really
1: sweet. <laughs> So
0: sweet, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was cute. I was
1: like, oh, that's "Oh, good." I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, I'm going to have my my normal coaching packages. Like, I, I'm a life, mindset, and wellness coach for women, and but then I'm going to have another offering, which I'm already like. Working with a client on right now. So it's very exciting is basically helping them pre and post. Like let's say you're interested in working with this medicine. So this package is bridging, like I was mentioning, like psychedelics with coaching psychology plus like neurobiology, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like I help people come in with like an intention and really work with them on setting and set. And then we talk about any obstacles that might come in the way, like bad trips. What do you do when this happens? Like having a game plan. And then after their experience, after that, I help them process and integrate. And then we create steps on what they want to change and how essentially. So like integration, which is a big key part of like this medicine, so I'm like really, really excited for that. So, <laughs> so yeah. If anybody is um, listening to this and interested, um, you know, follow me on Instagram, Erica Day Coaching. Yeah. I have like my website, all of that, and there's also. Other ways you can like work with me. So, um, there's a speaking engagement I have. Yes. Yeah. I'm, so excited. <laughs> I'm very excited for the opportunity. It'll be really great. It's in January, and of January in Tacoma. It's through Pacific Northwest, um, women, women in business, women in business event. So, um, if you're listening to this and you're just a professional woman that's looking to like collaborate with like minded women and, uh, really just get some really cool takeaways for you in your life, this is a really great event. Check it out. I'll be speaking at it. And then on top of that, I have, of course, my retreat in Peru in August for ayahuasca and wachuma but it also um incorporates lots of like adventure and travel and shopping and all the fun things so there's 10 spots and then of course if you're interested in working with me i'm a coach so
0: hit me up so many things going on i'm so excited for you (laughs) thank you yeah
1: it's just kind of unfolding you know so (laughs) yeah it's
0: been so fun to watch you since i like first met you and like all the things you're doing I'm like oh my god it's like watching you grow up almost thank you she's really coming into all the things that like speak to her soul and it's like so inspiring
1: I feel like a plant that's like slowly blooming like a little sprout you know (laughs) like
0: (laughs) you're like winding around
1: I'm like a little coaching sprout just like
0: hi guys I'll take you and you I'll take you and you you. So funny! thank you for coming again yeah I appreciate it of course Of
1: course!